Welcome to another episode of Dakota Spotlight. I really appreciate you listening and would like you to know about Spotlight Plus. It is a subscription to Dakota Spotlight that provides bonus content, early access, and ad-free listening, all while supporting my work and the show you love. You can subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app or visit dakotaspotlight.com. This is Dakota Spotlight Podcast, a production of Forum Communications. My name is James Wolner. James, uh, have you considered looking into cases that are still unsolved? Absolutely. In fact, I can... Back in August of 2020, when I released Season 3 of Dakota Spotlight, I was a guest on the Jay Thomas Show at WDAY AM Radio in Fargo. We've got a few out there that people... uh, And if you have any suggestions for James... While we were on the air, Jay asked me if I'd ever considered looking at an unsolved case, a cold case. I told him, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what season four was going to be. Or at least the plan was for season four to be an unsolved crime. I just didn't know at the time which one that would be. So Jay asked his listeners to call in with suggestions for what story they thought Dakota Spotlight should take on. And a lot of people did contact Jay. Some people called in, some people emailed, some people sent in texts, and they sent in a wide array of different ideas for season four. Uh, is the uh, Tommy Beardson uh, uh, case, uh, uh, that young man's case, never been fall- found. Uh, he was uh, found murdered. Uh, uh, but there was RV, one story uh, that really stood out, one story that people really wanted to talk about more than any other, the story of William Wolf or Billy Wolf. Uh, another one uh, email comes in from a listener says the wolf murder in the Fargo Moorhead area. Here's one says uh, uh, Jay uh, the wolf murders uh, mid seventies. Uh, I was at a kegger near MSU. A buddy told me he knew what killed a Billy Wolf. Al, you're up on a Jay Thomas show with James Wolner. Go ahead. Hey buddy, yeah, uh, that wolf one that was Billy Wolf there about 1980s. Uh, Found in the Red River, cut up in, in garbage bags. Uh, regarding the Billy Wolf case, this was uh, in the forum back in uh, 2008. The article just says the case remains one of the most gruesome unsolved murders in local history. Though local investigators, this is the key, this is the interesting part, James. Though local investigators say they know who committed the crime, they just don't have enough evidence to bring their case to a jury without a real confession. Here's another one. Uh, Wolf was around 1978, guys. He was murdered on uh, uh, Highway 75 near Craigness and found in the Red River by Georgetown. To the best of my memory, I believe he was from West Fargo. That, that might have, that one's got, that one's got, I think, maybe get up there uh, high on your radar. I'm getting tons of private messages from people about it, too. Holy cow. I'm telling you, I, you, you need to put this, evidently, this Billy Wolf one on from the late 70s because, man, did a lot of folks yeah. call it in about that. Let me do quick here. I can do one more phone call. I'm, I'm going to be out of time. Greg, you got to go quick. Yeah, my name is Mark Emptin, currently the sheriff of Clay County, and I have been the sheriff since January of 2019. As far as what it takes to get it solved, um, I think it's going to take somebody that's got some time to be able to actually dive into the investigation now, familiarizing themselves with all points of the investigation. I I did just recently hire um, an individual. He's gonna be working part-time for us, but uh, he retired from the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. Um, And that's what his his job is gonna be here now, is to look at two two of our cold cases that we have and see if he can 
maybe bring some closure to the families. May I ask you if one of those two cases is the William Wolf case? It is, yep. One of the cases he will be looking at is, is the William Wolf case. On a Sunday afternoon over four decades ago, in the late summer of 1978, a gruesome discovery was made outside of the city of Fargo, North Dakota. A young man was canoeing in the Red River when he came across two plastic garbage bags. The man decided he would take a closer look. Then he decided he'd paddle to shore and call the police. Inside each of the two bags was one half of a human body. It had been severed in two at the waist. It took a couple days, but the body was ultimately identified as 21-year-old William Wolfe Jr., known by his friends as Billy Wolfe. Billy Wolf was from the area. He'd gone to high school in West Fargo. To this day, Billy Wolf's murder has remained unsolved. No convictions have taken place. Dakota Spotlight Podcast and Forum Communications believe that four decades is long enough. It's time for this case to be solved and for the person or persons who carried it out to be identified and be held accountable. It's time to find out what really happened to Billy. Not only is it time for this case to be resolved, we believe that it's possible. But I'll be honest with you, it might not ever happen without your help. Over the next few weeks, we will perform a type of ongoing investigation of this story. I don't know exactly where it will lead us. This is uncharted territory for Dakota Spotlight. I can't tell you if there will be three episodes or 30 episodes about Billy Wolf. A lot of that depends on many of you. Those of you who knew Billy, remember Billy, and maybe even a few of you who never knew him personally, but just might have other information. What I can tell you about this series is that we'll follow this story wherever it takes us and pursue leads at whatever pace is required. I invite all of you to follow along, of course, but I also implore to some of you to roll up your sleeves and to help. It's time for the communities of Fargo, West Fargo, and Moorhead to collectively roll up our sleeves and to find out what happened to Billy Wolf. Welcome to Season 4 of Dakota Spotlight, Chasing Billy. 75 to 100? I mean, was one of us, I don't know what to make of that. I think everybody. I think everybody's take is kind of like mine, is he got messed up with the wrong people. I remember the kitchen floor was linoleum, there was beer spilled, there was cigarette butts in the beer. The landscape of Clay County is uh, its mostly you know, flat terrain until we get out to the east side of the county. Fargo and West Fargo, just we just didn't get along. It's, uh, they didn't really care for it when, we, when West Fargo came to Fargo. And... But somebody um, confronted Billy in the kitchen. We're talking good ass kicking. You, uh, you've got messing with uh, Fargo girls. Beet fields, cornfield, bean fields, and, and things of that nature. And asked him, what is the deal that I'm hearing about you? In that uh, corridor of older houses where the M&H gas station area is. Hello, dear listener. This is James, host of Dakota Spotlight, inviting you to subscribe to Spotlight Plus. 
For as little as $5 per month, you will get the warm feeling of supporting the show and also unlock access to bonus episodes, get the episodes early, and listen ad-free. That's right, no more ads. Apple users can subscribe to Spotlight Plus Standard right in the Apple Podcasts app. If you want to dive deeper and get even more exclusive benefits, subscribe to Spotlight Plus Premium or Spotlight Plus Ultimate. Go to dakotaspotlight.com for more details. At the time of this recording, it's been 42 years since Billy Wolf was murdered. Over the decades, several law enforcement officers have been involved in this case. Multiple investigators at several different agencies and at least two different states have worked on it. And a number of different theories have developed over the years about what actually happened to Billy. In fact, as you shall see, one person was arrested in 1978, but the charges were soon dropped. Law enforcement call it a cold case, a very cold case, but not closed. And because the case is still officially open, the files and records are more or less sealed away from the public, which is pretty much standard procedure. But to say that Billy has been forgotten is not quite accurate. The Fargo Forum continues to report on it, and at least one true crime author dedicated two or three chapters of a book to Billy's case. And then there are a few of Billy's friends, friends and classmates, who still want answers. We'll meet some of those people in just a moment. In this series, we'll look closer at a lot of things. The day when Billy's body was discovered, the various theories, the arrest that was made, and the history of the investigation. We'll speak with at least one retired investigator, and as you heard in the opening of this episode, I recently spoke with the sheriff of Clay County, Minnesota, the lead agency in this case. This is uncharted territory for Dakota Spotlight. For those of you who have listened to any of my three previous seasons, you may notice a slight difference this time around, possibly a big difference. That's because it is different. In those previous seasons, I covered closed cases. First, the suspicious death of Victor Newberry in Glen Ellen, North Dakota. Then, the story of Wade and Ellen Zick, who were tragically kidnapped and murdered in 1976 in the small town of Zeeland, North Dakota. Finally, in Season 3, I told the story of the tragic murders of Barbara and Gordon Erickstead in Bismarck in 1998. In those seasons, by the time I shared the story with you, I knew what most of the story was, and so I could deliver it to you methodically in a well-organized, neat and tidy packages of episodes. This is something different. This is part story, part ongoing investigation, and so this season is not intended to be neat and tidy exactly. The intention of this season is to solve a crime. This is more like a raw journey we'll embark on together, with maybe just one guarantee. We don't know what to expect. In other words, at this point, it's a season full of mystery and unknowns, fueled by the biggest unknown of all, who killed Billy Wolf. Billy Wolf grew up in the 60s and mid-70s. He died in 1978. You may remember the 70s very well, or you may not even have been born yet. In fact, if I think about it now, it's possible that your own mother and father were not even born yet. It was a long time ago. I remember the 1970s pretty well. I was a kid. I was one of those kids with my hair parted in the middle, sweatbands, tube socks, and a bicycle with a banana seat. And I remember those older kids, too, the teenagers in the 70s, with their bell-bottom jeans and feathered hair. But why take my word for it when we could let a couple of Billy Wolf's classmates and friends tell us about it? 
most of us kind of wore jeans, so um, uh, they were either flares or bell bottoms. It's just mostly flared. I, I, I think the bell bottoms were kind of going out at that time, too. This is Chuck, one of Billy Wolf's classmates in the class of 1975 at West Fargo High School. Well, my name is uh, Chuck Kaysen. Uh Graduated high school in West Fargo, North Dakota about in 1975. Currently, I live in Buffalo, North Dakota. Chuck used to hang out with Billy Wolf, but not just the two of them. As I really think about it here, I, you know, in, in classes and that, I've, I've had him, I had him in classes and such, but socially, probably the only time I really saw Billy socially here is uh, when I was out with Bob Winslow. And here's Bob Winslow. Oh, I lived in West Fargo, born in Fargo, 1956, uh, lived on the farm for a lot of years. Growing up, rode motorcycles, snowmobiles, uh, raced motorcycles, raced snowmobiles, graduated West Fargo, 1975, worked for West Fargo schools for 41 years, a firefighter in West Fargo for 25 years, retired a few years back. Uh, it's been our city of West Fargo, kind of been a good little town to live in. Oh, we, we had big hair, we had bell bottoms, we had hip buggers, tiny shirts, uh, you know, cutoffs. Uh, uh, you'd roll up the cigarette pack in your sleeve of your t-shirt and go to school, and then they'd kick you out of school unless you had candy cigarettes. Just come to school with the t-shirts that, you know, I said Flying United, you know, and stuff like that, and making bacon and turn your shirt inside out. The other thing I remember about the 70s, aside from the clothing, was pop culture. There were movies like Jaws and Rocky and Star Wars, and some of us remember the TV programs Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Little House on the Prairie, Mork and Mindy. And then there was the music. Popular music in the 1970s was a little all over the place. We had Elton John, but also rock groups like Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. Kenny Rogers was big on the country music charts, and in London, England, the Sex Pistols were inventing punk. Then, disco took off in 1977, when the movie Saturday Night Fever was a huge hit, and John Travolta became a star. In a large part because of that movie, the musical group The Bee Gees were on the air all the time. As much as I'd like to play some of this iconic music for you, it's more or less impossible to attain permission to do so from record labels. It didn't stop me from trying, though. I didn't hold out much hope, and I certainly didn't think that I'd have the opportunity to share with you a song that made it all the way to number three on the U.S. charts in 1976. It's a song that takes me back, and thanks to the generosity and talent of a guy named Bruce Blackman, who wrote it and performed it and who owns the copyright to it, I have been granted the opportunity to use it in season four. Thank you, Bruce Blackman, for granting me permission to use Moonlight Feels Right. The wind blew some luck in my direction I caught it in my hands today I finally made a tricky French connection You winked and gave me your okay I'll take you on a trip beside the ocean And drop the top of Chesapeake Bay Nothing like the sky to dose a potion The moon will send you on your way <laughs> Moonlight Feels right 
For those of you who are not familiar with this part of the world, the city of Fargo is situated in the southeast quadrant of the state of North Dakota. In fact, it's nudged right up against the Minnesota state line. The state line is not a straight line here. It is, in fact, a river, the Red River, the same one Billy was found in north of town. On the other side of that river lies the city of Moorhead, Minnesota. And the Red River is no Mississippi by any means. In this area, it's about 200 feet wide. If a person happened to work in downtown Fargo or Moorhead, they might leave the state on their lunch hour with just a leisurely stroll across a bridge. And back in the 70s, this convenient access to a different state jurisdiction came in handy for teenagers in North Dakota. In Minnesota, you only had to be 18 years old to buy beer. Here's Bob Wensloff again. New England, when the liquor, liquor age was uh, 18, for uh, Minnesota, we'd, uh, we'd jump the line and head over to Moorhead and get a fresh case of beer. If you look at this area on a map, it all looks like one big city with a river running through it. But actually, there are three cities, because West Fargo, where Billy Wolf went to high school, is a city itself, situated, as one might guess, next to Fargo on the west side. So, looking at that map again, from left to right, there is first the city of West Fargo, then Fargo, then the Red River, then Moorhead, Minnesota. According to the census of 1980, two years after Billy's death, the population of West Fargo was 10,000 residents. Fargo proper had a population six times that, and across the river in Moorhead were another 30,000 people. All in all, 100,000 people lived in this area that some called Forehead, a play on words. Get it? Fargo, Moorhead, Forehead. But back in the 1970s, the locals might have scolded me for saying things like, it looks like one big city with the population of 100,000 people. At the time, there was a very well-developed and mutual understanding that Fargo, Moorhead, and West Fargo were three distinctly separate places, perhaps with some invisible boundaries. High school students were very aware of these boundaries. Here are Billy's friends again, Bob and Chuck. But uh, Fargo didn't come to West Fargo, and West Fargo didn't go to Fargo, but West Fargo went to Moorhead. Oh, I do kind of remember that here. Uh, not so much Moorhead, but uh, Fargo and Fargo and West Fargo here, both north and south. It's uh, they didn't really care for it when we when West Fargo came to Fargo, and and I think a lot of it was vice versa also as well. But for high school teenagers at the time, this territorial distinction was evident in at least two arenas, sports and romance. And uh, it was always always a cheap shot at a, at a football game. You know, it'd be something, things that you didn't really expect to happen at a football game when you're on the field and somebody come by with an extra elbow or an extra knee. And, and you know, uh, our, our teams at that point, we really couldn't, for the most part, we didn't really compete very well uh, with the Fargo schools, we were smaller here. You know, and then wrestling and things like that. You, you just Fargo and West Fargo just we just didn't get along. We did end up winning the state the state uh, basketball title though. <laughs> 
William Patrick Wolfe Jr. was born on May 8, 1957. He was the second oldest of four children. His parents were William Wolfe Sr. and Betty Wolfe. I really can't tell you who Billy Wolfe was, at least not yet. I'm hoping some of you will help me learn more. The little I've learned about him is that he was a tall, blonde guy and perhaps a little shy. He was friendly. I mean, he wasn't a moody guy by any stretch or anything that I can remember. We didn't get really too deep into things, but we always talked and we're always on good terms and everything that I know of. Um, one of the things I did kind of notice about him, and uh, and I was thinking about it today here, and I think he was a little bit like me in that res- this respect here. I think he was a little bit... Um, uh, introverted, socially introverted a bit, maybe a little insecure, but he liked to put on airs at times. So, and it sounded a lot like me, actually. <laughs> and he was a tall kid, blonde hair, uh, not a bad looking guy, just uh, not really, not really sociable, not really uh, unlikable. Just uh, so if you seen him at a, if you seen him at a party, he was just gonna give you a head nod, you know what's up, and that'll be about it. And when we, when we were together, we just kind of hung out. Really, it wasn't n- n- no getting in trouble or anything that I'm aware of. So he may have been shy, but one thing Billy didn't shy away from, it seems, was crossing those unwritten social boundaries between Fargo, West Fargo, and Moorhead. I wonder if some people might even call it trespassing. For example, when Bob Wensloff told me that Billy Wolf had a girlfriend in high school, at least for a while, I assumed she was from West Fargo, where Billy lived. Nope, she was a Fargo girl. And disobeying those unwritten rules was potentially setting yourself up for trouble. We're talking good ass kicking. If you, uh, you've got messing with uh, Fargo girls and uh, West Fargo girls really didn't go to Fargo girls. I mean, Fargo guys, excuse me. I don't want to make too much of this point about Billy not necessarily staying put in West Fargo. I doubt anyone did, really. I'm guessing what Bob and Chuck are describing are your typical school and community rivalries that can be found anywhere. And as I said, this is an investigation. I'm not here to tell you what happened to Billy Wolf because I don't know, at least not yet. But I am curious, was Billy the kind of guy who disregarded rules and boundaries? Maybe I'm overthinking it, but can this one minute detail about Billy tell us anything bigger? Was he a risk taker, perhaps? I asked Bob Wensloff if he could help me find this woman, one of Billy's high school girlfriends. I wanted to talk to someone who was close to Billy because I want to learn more about him. Who was he as a person? Janet. Yeah, Janet. Janet or Janet, one of the two. It's She's north of 13th Avenue and south of Main Avenue in that uh, corridor of older houses where the M&H gas station is. It took me a while, but I finally did track down Billy's high school girlfriend, Janet. She passed away over 10 years ago. Yeah, my name is Mark Emptin, currently the sheriff of Clay County, and I have been the sheriff since January of 2019. Um, I've been in law enforcement for a total of 23 years. So kind of off topic here, but how are things going in Clay County right now? I looked it up. There's about 64,000 residents in the county. Does that sound right? Yeah, roughly 64,000. I think that's going to increase with the new uh, 2020 census that'll come out next year. 
Um, but right now things are going pretty well. We've we've been busy with things going on. We've been busy with COVID and stuff like that. But things are are going very well, and we're able to stay afloat so far. Some people who listen to my podcast have never been to North Dakota or Minnesota. Um, how would you describe the landscape of your county? I guess, like, what does it look like? So, landscape of Clay County is it's mostly you know flat terrain until we get out to the east side of the county and we get into the, the hilly area uh, out in the, the east side. But we're mostly uh, agricultural, where we've got a lot of uh, beet fields, corn fields, bean fields, and, and things of that nature. Um, our county seat is the city of Moorhead. We have uh, several other uh, smaller rural agencies uh, in cities with, within the county as well. So does that, well, first of all, how many is on your staff? How many are, are on your staff? Right. Yeah. So the sheriff's office, we have 34 deputies and then we have 51 correctional officers as well. Um, of the 34 deputies, we have 12 um, that are in the patrol division. We have two school resource deputies. We have five investigators. Um, we've got three full-time at the courthouse. We've got two civil process servers. We've got four warrants and transport servers. Then we've got uh, four lieutenants, the chief deputy, and myself. So you know, as as you know, um, Forum Communications, who I work for, and my podcast, Dakota Spotlight, we're going to do a series on an, a very old cold case from, you know, William Wolf murdered in 1978. Um, first of all, this is a personal question, but how old are you and what do you know about this case? <laughs> uh, yeah, I figured you were going to end up asking that question. So I'm 47 years old. And at the time that uh, this happened in 1978, I would have been five. Um, I, I do have, I do have some information on the case. I haven't sat through and obviously read through the entire case file because that is pretty uh, lengthy, but um, we do have our investigators here that are aware of the case. They've, They've gone through the case file and things like that. So my knowledge of the case, I know I know what happened, I know where it happened, when it happened, and things like that. But um, Can you confirm that Clay County is the lead agency on this case, or is that... Yeah, that, that's correct. Is, yeah, Clay County would be the lead agency of, the, of this case. You know, it's whatever side of the river that the person would have been, or that Mr. Wolf would have been, uh, found on is who ends up uh, becoming primary in that case. Now, what happens is is because you, you had him living in Fargo and West Fargo and, and he's a missing person over there, um, we work very closely with our neighboring agencies and partners. So it was a joint investigation back in 78, I'm sure, with all of those other agencies along with our state agencies uh, as well. Can you tell us anything about the various theories over the years? or what it would take to get this thing solved? You know, as far as various theories over the years, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge of that, so no, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. As far as what it takes to get it solved, um, I think it's gonna take somebody that's got some time to be able to actually dive into the investigation now, familiarizing themselves with all points of the investigation, and um, maybe even looking at some of our current things that are at our at our fingertips now, such as forensic science and technology and things like that that they didn't have back in 1978. Um, and I, I did just recently hire um, 
an individual. He's going to be working part-time for us, but he's uh, he retired from the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. He had 23 years working with them, most recently in their homicide division. Um, and that's what his that's what his job is going to be here now is to look at two or two of our cold cases that we have and see if he can maybe bring some closure to the families. May I ask you if one of those two cases is the William Wolf case? It is. Yep. One of the cases he will be looking at is is the William Wolf case. Wow. So if I understand you correctly, um, I guess reopening wouldn't be the correct terminology because it's never been closed. But would you say that it's fair to say that you are now very soon going to be taking a what a fresh hard look at the William Wolf case? Yeah, that's uh, that's very 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 good way to put it. We are going to be getting a fresh look at it, fresh eyes at it, and. Um, Hopefully he'll be able to maybe look at some things in there that could have been done that that weren't done and, and things like that. So it's for us, I think it's a I think it's a good step forward. That's really exciting for me, obviously, because you you said it was going to take someone who took you know had a lot of time to, to put to look into this, and uh, obviously you were talking about law enforcement, not someone like myself who just uh... and the, this guy's got the expertise, and he's not only you know he won't be looking at it alone if he sees something that they need to follow up on and one of our other other full-time detectives and him will be able to go out and and start working that lead so i think it's a, i think it's a good thing um for the sheriff's office but i think it's even a better thing for the family you know after what 42 years that have passed there's probably been relationships that have changed with the passage of time between you know people that have been involved with this and maybe they're going to be a little bit more apt and more willing to to talk to our investigators or maybe not. I, I don't know. It's it's just going to take that guy to be able to sit down and start looking at the case to figure that out. So probably one of the most important things for me to ask you or tell my listeners out there uh, is if someone knows something that is important, what should they do? If somebody knows something that's very important, would like to come forward, please contact the Clay County Sheriff's Office um, at area code 218-299-5151 and ask to speak with a detective in regards to the William Wolf case, and we will have uh, we will have somebody speak with them. You know, there's a concept called unknowing witnesses. People who have witnessed something, but they don't realize it, basically, that it's important to a case... Uh, I find that whole concept very interesting because in my daily life, even, you know, you don't know what you're witnessing on a day-to-day basis. You know, a truck, pickup truck that's parked in a spot that wouldn't usually be there, that's probably just some guy buying an old couch, but you just never know. Right. I mean, yeah, you never know what it could be. It could, I think we, I think we saw some of those unknowing witnesses back in the day when there was a, a, a homicide over in Fargo and you know after a while when when the investigation starts to work its way through and you start getting that information out to the public and they start saying oh I saw that here and I saw that here and you start getting all those leads to come in that's kind of the unknowing witness type thing before we wrap up this episode I'm going to leave you with a little taste of the next episode In the next one, we're going to go to a party in Fargo in August of 1978, Billy's party. We're also going to learn a little bit more about Billy from Chuck and Bob, and maybe we'll take a look at the day when Billy's body was found in the Red River. 
But what I'm really hoping is that I'll hear from several of you and we'll have many things to explore and look into by then. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And here's that little taste of the party we're going to go to. The last time I saw Billy, um, I call it the big smile party. I had a um, yellow and black gremlin, he was 1978, stick, um, stripped down. Um, they don't even make gremlins anymore. Uh, so I drove through our neighborhood, I picked up Julie and Paul Gramoski. We all smoked our cools and Marlboro Reds and drove to Fargo where um, Julie had told me that Billy was having a party. And that was big time, you know, crossing the river, going to a party. <laughs> Feels right. Moonlight. Feels right. The cars parked everywhere. Um, there was a bonfire back there. Upstairs were the rooms where people actually lived. The keg, the party, was in the downstairs um, ground floor level of the boarding house, which was like a living room, small dining room, and kitchen. The screen door was open. So I just remember walking in and he was the first person I saw, taller than the rest of the people. He had on a pastel shirt, he had a huge smile with big white teeth, blonde hair kind of feathered back, welcoming and, hey, come on in, let's have some fun. I was kind of talking with my girlfriends and I was like, I'm, I think I might ask Billy out. I think he's cute. And, my friend Julie said, oh, he's ugly, and I disagreed. So we were kind of arguing about that, and we were approached by my friend Bonnie, who also lived in the same boarding house as Billy, in a room just down from where Billy lived. And so she joined Julie and I and said, um, you don't want to get involved with him. She warned me to stay away from Billy and that he was in deep, deep trouble with really bad people. Thank you so much for listening. To support my work, get early access, listen ad-free, and much more, please consider subscribing to Spotlight Plus. Apple users can even subscribe right in the Apple Podcasts app. Learn more about Spotlight Plus at dakotaspotlight.com.